Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. A lot like a cryptocurrency, a risk that can pay off well. <laughs> I may have written a book about the housewives, but I won't hesitate to read you. <laughs> the facial expressions for this audio <laughs> podcast. If you guys had only seen it, OMG. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 222. I'm staring at one of my favorite people in the entire world. He is, I feel like, did you hear my voice just got very tender? It did. It's like you're like flirting with me through a Zoom. I mean, a little bit. (laughs) Um, He is the president and founder of the Real Housewives Institute, of which we are all a member. Just found out. You just told me that the building is opening again, which is so exciting. Yes. New York is opening up, and I'm so excited about this Real Housewives Institute, which is, of course, located in, like, the, I don't know, parking garage next to where Sonia Morgan lives. (laughs) No mask required. No mask required. (laughs) required. Uh, And you also know him as the author of the just-released and amazing book, The Housewives, The Real Story Behind the Real Housewives. It is something I just read and loved. I laughed. I got verklempt. I gasped at many points. And you know I took notes for this man who knows how to write and read. Guys, welcome back 
Sir, Madame, Dame, Brian Moylan. Hi. Brian! I'm so excited to be here. First of all, we need to know, how did you feel about your quotes in the book? Um, there could have been more, obviously. <laughs> I was looking for my chapter. I was like, am I hidden underneath that paragraph that you gave to some of my other favorite podcasters? <laughs> She's looking in the background like Jill Zarin in your uh, iconic I mean, you do have one of the best quotes in the whole book, Thank which you. is, um, I don't believe in God, but I have faith in the Real Housewives. And I have been using it everywhere. I've been giving <gasps> you credit. Oh my God, I love you so much. So um, thank you very much for your contributions. Thank you so much for including me. I honestly feel, is, am I still on my period? I honestly feel <laughs> emotional. <laughs> like, it made me verklempt because it's, this is such an important book. You are such an important person. Genuinely, even before we met, like connected, you have been such an important voice in my life because I feel like you have given so much validity to those of us who have been housewives, fans, watchers for so many years. And it's one of those things to read one of your recaps is to understand the importance and the pride that can exist in having conversations about Real Housewives. So to have this book come out, which is so wonderful. I literally read it while walking through New York today. I actually did walk by the Regency, but I didn't look up because I was like staring at my <laughs> um, at the screen. To exist in the world of New York City, the the playground for some of our favorite housewives and read your book and know that this now exists forever. And that I have a line. I mean, like, I am so appreciative to you. And I just want to say congratulations, because this Thank is a you. very, very big deal. And I hope you are taking in all the love that you're surely receiving. Yeah. And I'm very excited after I've been working on it for what seems like forever. It's probably like mm. two plus years, almost three years at this point. Uh, excuse me. And I was finished maybe like some three, four months ago. <laughs> oh my and God. it's like, I'm used to writing for the internet where it's like done goes up on the internet, there are comments immediately, like just get that instant mm. gratification and feedback. And so this is taking a lot longer, obviously. And so I'm very excited now that some people whose opinions about the housewives I really trust, mm. like yourself, are saying mm. nice things about the book. So I'm happy that it's out there. I can't wait for fans to read it. And I said, you know, going into this project, I wanted the book to answer all the questions that fans would ever have about it. And so I hope that we can, like George Bush on an aircraft carrier, just say, <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> the ending for this yes. is much more gratifying. It's, than it's Brian Boylan in a uh, flight suit. <laughs> mission accomplished. Oh, my God. Brian, I have so many questions for you. I mean, Mike, when is the second one coming out? Do you, are you thinking, are we already like having a conversation? Is this going to be like the first in a, in terms of a trilogy? Like, how does it feel to know that you've accomplished this thing you've been working on for so long? And already, are you already thinking of what's going to come next? Well, it was funny because books take so long to mm -hmm. like the whole process and so long to like 
physically print them on paper that yes. as we were wrapping up the book, it was like Real House All Stars was announced, and then Miami got renewed was announced, and then the Erica, Tom Gerard stuff happened, and then Jen Shaw happened. And so it's like there's a list in the book that is like every housewife ever arrested, and it's already obsolete mm. because Jen Shaw has since been arrested. So, <laughs> like, it was just crazy that I kept wanting, and we did sneak a few things in there because I talked about Miami not being renewed. I talked about how Andy always said once we throw them all on an island, that's like the end of it. So, you know, we I did get a few asides to amend some news but then at one point it was just like okay this is the book and it's done but i think that because it's such an overview of the housewives i think that like the housewives is probably covered for now mm. so if i were to do another wow. of these books it would probably be about some other show or franchise or something like that i love that and it, it feels like reading the book it feels like a little bit of a love story about our love for Bravo, which can sometimes be complicated, yes. but overall gives us so much that it sustains us even during those periods of time where there's a lot of complication. And it's something that I would think the people over at Bravo HQ would really like and there are moments in the book where you talk about some of the obstacles that were put in your way writing the book. And it made me kind of sad that there was potentially a strategy on their end to like get information and then do something because and that was get information and do stuff with it, by the way. Um, I sometimes <laughs> oh, need to be my own translator. And they uh, 100% did that. So. Oh, I believe it. I mean, I, yeah, it's it's you guys have to read it because there's like the behind the scenes of the housewives and then the behind the scenes of what happens when you want to write about the housewives. <laughs> and so it is very complicated, much like a lot of our relationships with the housewives. There are additional complications on top of an already complicated relationship. And I wonder if they regret that noting how positive and really layered this book is. It, it felt to me like, are they, have they read your work, Shirley? I know that they have. Right. And I had, they seemed really afraid of something that I could not think of you ever doing. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, I had a very good relationship with them going in. And I mean, they still send me yeah. screeners to do recaps and stuff. Yes. And then when they announced BravoCon um, this week, I got an email from the head of PR at Bravo with the um, press release attached. Press release. And she said, um, at least you just won't, at least you won't have to sneak in this year. <laughs> Great. Okay. And so I was like, okay, like, is that a dig? Is that an invitation? Like, what's the deal? I think that's an invitation. But I just think that, you know, obviously, like you said, I love Bravo. I love what they do. They give us a great product. I mean, they've given mm -hmm. me the better part of a career, Mm -hmm. um, and they're like doing their job and I get it. They're trying to protect this multi-billion dollar brand the best way that mm -hmm. they know how. Do I necessarily agree with how they're going about doing it? Not necessarily, but I think that in, you know, when they found out I was doing this and they couldn't have control over it, 
<laughs> they emailed um, every housewife and every producer and told them not to talk to me. And so what was left was like people who would talk to me and people with like axes to grind, like against right. Bravo for whatever reason. But even with that, I found a lot of people love what they do, liked working for Bravo. I mean, they're there are some drawbacks. I don't think it's the greatest corporate culture. I don't know that they treat all their freelancers very well. Also, it's like most of the people who work on the shows are freelancers. So there is a mm. little bit of that kind of gig economy exploitation going on. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I get that they're doing their job, even though I disagree with it. So like you said, it's a whole uh, complicated relationship. Have you heard from any of them specifically about the book? And have you received any asks from housewives to get an advance of the book or um, anyone who had feedback? I have not heard from any housewives to get an advance of the book. Uh, I have not heard from Bravo other than when I got that email. Mm -hmm. I was supposed to be on Radio Andy last week <gasps> and was surprisingly canceled at the last minute. Um, what show were you supposed to be on? What show, Amy? Uh, yes. And, um, yeah. So, um, oh, I don't know why that happened, no. but it did happen. And so, um, yeah, we shall see what's going on. I did, um, send one Jill Zarin an advanced copy of the book. Jill Zarin. <laughs> okay. So the book, you guys just have to buy the book to understand. I mean, you will buy the book. You will read the book. You will love the book. Jill is the thread of, you know, your time writing about the housewives as well yeah. as the narrative around so much of this book from what you say about her at the beginning through the very end. It's really, really well done. I know she posted on social. She's excited about it. Jill's having a banner week with your book with SNL I giving mean. her a shout out. Best best week she's had since I don't know what I mean she's had a lot of great weeks. Who are we kidding? But <laughs> what was um what was interesting to me, there were a couple moments where I gasped. Like I literally was like right making notes while I was reading and there was one moment where I'm gonna fuck up his name, Darren, the um, producer on New York. No, 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 not no. her manager publicist. Oh, oh, maybe it wasn't Darren. It was another person's name. The the per, the producer, I think the same one who escorted Kelly back from Scary Island. Yes, um, yes. his name is Darren something. Oh, it is Darren. Darren oh, yeah, yeah. I want to say Darren French, but I don't think that's right. No, it's something like that. But this gentleman, this this um, producer is talking about, you know, the hiccups that happened for Jill season three. And there's a line that he gave you. I want to I don't think I wrote it down specifically that line, but it was something. Oh, yeah. He said at one point, I think Jill got what she deserved. And I was like, first off, caduce to you because holy um, shit. Is that he didn't a quote? say that to me? He said that out loud at BravoCon. Oh, that's where it was. Right, 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 right. It was yes. at the panel. I don't remember that happening, and we were at the same panel because <laughs> I was, like, I was out of my body for a lot of it, so I have no memory of, like, the meat and potatoes of what a lot of these people said. Oh, I, was like, I, put the, I put my phone in my pocket and pressed record on the voice memo, and I had that motherfucker transcribed. <laughs> which is so smart. I died for it, but I also thought, like, so she's reading this book. I wonder the experience 
of a housewife, someone who, you know, there's no such thing as bad press, except when it sometimes happens with people who have like very fragile personality, you know, like they, they probably go back and forth on that idea to be Jill reading this, someone who wants back on the show and sees that line. Like, I wonder how that, I wonder are you able to process it? Do you get through it? Do you call that producer with some thoughts? I wonder. I mean, so when I was doing research for this, you know, I talked to probably a dozen housewives, both on and off the record, but Mm -hmm. I found much more revelatory were the conversations with like producers and editors and story producers Mm -hmm. and camera operators, like all those people that I talked to because they don't have like any skin in the game and they can look at it from a bit of a remove and a lot less emotionally than the women. But the one thing I wish I got in the book was more about what it feels like to be on this show and like have that fame and then have it like taken away from you. And because that is an experience only the women can speak to. And, you know, I did talk to them, but a lot of the women I talked to were only on for one season or their shows were canceled and that's why it was over. And so I wish I could have gotten a little bit more into that. Like imagine you're Vicky Gumbleson. You've been on the show for 14 years. Mm-hmm. You've built your life and your business around it. And then they're like, peace, see you later. And that's it. Or like you're Dorinda Medley and they're still making money selling clip, clip, clip mugs on bravotv.com and you're not getting those residuals. You're just getting the embarrassment of when they're showing the footage again, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I wonder what that's like. And, you know, some of the producers said that the worst thing in these women's lives is being on the show, but the only thing worse than that is not being on the show. And like every real housewife I talked to said, um, I'm glad I did it. What did I do it again? No. And so I think that even the women um, have this kind of like push pull about it, which I find to be really fascinating and complicated. And I wish I could have gotten more like to the heart of that, but sadly, no. I mean, it, it's a lot like when you're dating someone, like when you have a breakup and maybe you weren't in control of what happened and that breakup happening and you tell people, oh, thank God, I would never want to be with that person again. But for so many people, yes, you absolutely would. Yeah. And this is hap- This is a breakup that's happening in public. People know, regardless of the statement that you put out, that for the vast, vast, vast majority of these women, they were not in control of the decision, yes. just as they were not in control of the narrative yes. about their lives when they were on TV. So it's like a, it's a, oh, fuck on top of an oh, fuck. It's the, oh, my God, I wasn't in control of this, but I actively participated it and gave permission for this to happen because I was getting evaluation out of this. I was right. getting something out of it for many of these people was fame, whatever else. And then it's taken away. It's also taken away where you're not in control of this thing. And then you're not in control of how to even exit this thing. That is a very tough dynamic and environment to be in. Absolutely. And I mean, look at Sonia Morgan, how she dealt with Mm. a six year marriage that ended 12 years ago. Like how is she going to deal with getting fired from real housewives? Because it's coming for everybody. You know, and that's the other thing is like, you know, this train is going to end for everybody, Um, either when all the shows get canceled or when they get fired. And so and no one is safe except maybe Teresa, but whatever. And um, yeah, so um, I totally agree with you. 
There is a moment where you talk about your vacation with Vicky when you went to Mexico with yes. Victoria Gumbelson and spoiler alert you learn a lot your feelings about Vicky may change through the course of reading about that experience any um sort of ideas of how you think she is or who you think she is may adjust which is like the greatest compliment I think that a person could give to a housewife that we've known and in many ways judged for so long but there's a moment where she's introducing herself to someone who doesn't watch tv and the way that can you talk a little bit about the ways that she introduced because i i actually gasped my heart broke a little bit it was like one of the most amazing moments because it was like we get to see how vicky sees herself rather than like how we all see her so we're at this resort in in mexico and it was crazy because there was maybe like 50 people who are on vacation with Vicky and like she is a huge star to us and then all these other random people at the resort who have like no idea who (laughs) she is and I met a few of them and they're like you're here for what and you're paying extra money to be here for this like you're fucking crazy I've never even heard of this person I've never heard of the show like I know nothing and so this guy is like comes over and I was with some of the women who were um, quite attractive and Vicky, who is no slouch herself. And he's like kind of trying to make a move and is like going around asking everybody what they do. And, you know, he gets to Vicky and and she says, oh, hi, I'm Vicky. And he says, oh, what do you do? And she goes, I sell insurance. And like, that was it. Like, that's how Vicky sees herself on the inside. And I was just like, that's amazing. Like, that's, that's the real, like, that's where Vicky's at her happiest is like, and she like talked about money. She talked about insurance. She talked about everybody oh making God. sure that they, and it was like, you know, she is exactly like you see on TV. You know, she was the, still the same crazy woohoo, you know, mm-hmm. insane Vicky, but it was just like the focus had shifted like away from the show to like what she really cares about. And it made her that much more normal and real and relatable. And um, I really enjoyed that. I think it made me feel a little melancholy just because we know how much this show means to her. And I think she realized how much it meant to her when it was gone. And for Vicky to think of herself as a woman who sells insurance, I think is amazing. We also, of course, know her as the OG of the OC. And for her to go through a process of like being demoted, kind of understandably, going off the show, understandably as well. But having to potentially struggle and navigate that and yeah. introduce yourself before this happens, right? As like, hi, I'm Vicky and I sell insurance. I wonder how she introduces herself now. Yeah. Well, and also I think that Vicky, unlike every, almost every other woman on the show is in a mm-hmm. different position in that she signed up for this, like not wanting to be on TV, not thinking it was mm-hmm. going anywhere, thinking it was some stupid thing that she was going to do once and then forget about it. And it ended up becoming this like behemoth that took over her life. Whereas so many of the other women have come in knowing this is a platform. This could make me famous. This is going to get me attention. This is what's going to do my life. Like Vicky never really made that decision. And so she's almost in a different kind of place to everybody else, I think. She also had a secure job before starting Housewives. She was insured for lack of a better phrase, for lack of a better <laughs> word, than so than essentially anybody that joins Housewives now. Like yes. she was so much better off than many of the women then and nearly everyone now. 
because she had that stability and it's wild to, to read about this and then think about like New Jersey, for example, where allegedly Jen Aiden, who I honestly love, built her house, the house that she is currently living in, for the purposes of trying to leverage that into a job on Housewives of New Jersey. Right. And there's so much money and effort that a lot of these people invest in the hopes of getting cast on this show that will hopefully get the money and fame and the investment of money and time in which to hopefully get that good news and then try to... because as soon as you get cast, you have to try to keep your job. It's not like yes. you get cast and this is like the Supreme Court of Housewives, even though for some of these women, they seem like Teresa, you do probably have a lifetime appointment. For a lot of these women, it's the tension of the like, OK, yes. I've wanted this for so long. Now I have it. Now I have to keep it. What happens when it's gone? Well, and I think that fans are always seeing the like invisible puppet strings of Bravo mm. or Andy or producers or whatever. And to all the people who I talked to um, who work on the shows, they said, if anybody is driving storylines or trying to make shit up or whatever, it's the women themselves. And I think that yes. they like internalize that fear and that it's like they're produ- the call is coming from inside the house. And it's like, mm-hmm. I need to get another season. I need to keep my job. And I think that that's what, um, like when I talked to Carrie Duber from Dallas, she said like, that's everyone's goal, like going into the season is another season. And, and so I think that rather than seeing like, oh, Bravo made these guys make up because they know it's good for television, like thinking about how the women internalize that and, and, and how they internalize that insecurity. And I think that's true for so many of us who are freelancers that it's like, you have mm. this good gig that you like and you may rely on, but like any minute you're like gone. And, and it's a really precarious position to be in. And I think that's also true of most of the producers and editors and things like that who work on all these shows who are also freelancers. And so, mm. you know, there are some people at the top, you know, a handful of executives controlling this thing who have all the power and are making, you know, a lot of the upside of it more so than these women. And I think that as wealthy as they are and as famous as they are, I mean, they're a little bit exploited workers, just like the rest of us. Like, I think that their deal with Bravo at the end of the day probably isn't a great deal. And it's one that they'll happily take. I mean, because there is nothing like calling yourself a real housewife. No, absolutely. And I think um, we wrote about it in her book. And I think I mentioned it in my book with Erica Jane you know, her, mm-hmm. <laughs> the story hits differently now with everything exactly that's going on. Yep. But yeah, Tom told her not, not, not to even bother reading the contract. Like you need them more than they need you and to just sign it. And like, who, you'll figure it out later. And I think that that's like true for a lot of the women is they don't care about what they may be giving up because they're like going on the show. But what's curious about Jennifer Aiden is a lot of, you know, the casting directors I talked to said that the women who want it really badly are usually not the ones they want. It's like usually the women they need to convince a little bit. Mm. And and I think you see that where Jennifer, I mean, has been the only one who's wanted it really bad that I think is a pretty good housewife. Whereas someone mm-hmm. like Aviva Drescher wants it so bad that she's like throwing the leg and making shit up and being crazy. And, and fans can sense that inauthenticity and that like thirst and it usually turn on them. But I think Jennifer backs up her thirst with being authentically herself, which is a kind of amazing, kind of awful uh, confrontational person. 
there is also the idea of inauthenticity when it's like, okay, you could be inauthentic in being a performative housewife, like putting on a show. Yeah. And then you could be inauthentic in um, performing the art of real housewifery, but doing so in a way noting exactly what you are covering up, which is in many ways for some people much, much greater than being on a very specific franchise of a reality TV show. Yes. And a lot of that involves legal stuff like with tree who didn't know what time it was, but Joe certainly did like with Russell Armstrong, like with, um, so many others and now as we've recently discovered Tom Girardi so like reading about the fact that he said don't read the contract you need this it'll work out is something it's something that until several months ago for some of us and maybe until a couple years ago for others one would read that and be like lol because he's such a great lawyer which we have all <laughs> right. seen play out on on housewives that he's like saying this in a way where we're sure he doesn't mean it but he's like you know because he is the titan of industry in his right. arena it says something it's like a joke it's a wink and now we're like okay well he probably was being literal because <laughs> he was like i don't need to do my homework right. Me. yeah me. well but, and it, but, it, it, <laughs> it amazes me too with the tom stuff with the jen shaw stuff with the judice it's like paying for cash it, for furniture mm-hmm. in the first episode it's like how do these people welcome this into their lives like mm-hmm. how does tom girardi knowing what he's doing say yes i want cameras to show up and put me under even more scrutiny and like if erica hadn't been on this show i mean i think it would have been a big story in like the la times and the la legal community Mm -hmm. obviously but now because of the housewife angle it's national news and like same with jen shaw like jen shaw knew she was fucking breaking the law and she's gonna go on reality tv and think that that's not gonna get dug up you're fucking cuckoo so yeah, I don't know what's wrong with these people or what, but I guess if you're you know in the business of breaking the law, you're probably not that stable-minded <laughs> anyway. So, you know. Was the Erica? When did the Erica stuff become what it is now? Like in the last several months, right? Um, she filed for divorce on election day, and right, it right, was right. like right when I was like finishing up the, you know, like final drafts of the book. So people are like, oh, I hope this Erica stuff's in there. But sadly, um, it didn't quite make it. And then the like lawsuits became public, I think, shortly after that. How do you think, had you been on a different kind of deadline, how do you think that would have factored in the Erica experience of it all? Because she does touch into so many categories when you think about, the benefits and drawbacks of joining a show like this and signing up for this kind of very public, but in some time, in some ways, very private life. I'm curious just because, you know, the book is, well, it definitely gets into some of our favorite things like Boat Ride from Hell and Mm -hmm. uh, Scary Island and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, It's not really in the nitty gritty of like Mm -hmm. he said, she said, here's this gossip. Here's this thing that happened. Right, right, right. Of course. And so I I don't know if there would have been a ton of room for like to get into that. But I definitely think like that thing about Tom saying, like, don't read your contract probably would have, I would have reevaluated and been like, oh, maybe <laughs> we should 
um, not include this anymore um, mm. and think about things a little bit differently. Yeah. So. And yet it does land an extra punch, which is an indicator of the value of this kind of conversation because you don't ever really know someone, right? So yeah. like we think we know these women, we know a lot about them, but there are still secrets that you can hide. And there's no bigger example of that than what's happening with Jen Shaw and what's happening with Erica Jane. Well, and I think that that's what's crazy is people are always like, is it scripted? Is it real? Whatever. How do you script the FBI showing up to arrest Jen Shaw while the cameras are rolling? Like, how do you plan for that? Like, how do you plan for, you know, Erica and Tom getting divorced? Like, how do you plan for Luann getting arrested? Like, you can't. Mm -hmm. Like, this shit just happens. And then, you know, and I talked to uh, someone who was very high up on a number of different productions and said that at the start of each season of the housewives the showrunner has to come up with a bible and they talk about what all the women are doing what how their relationships are at the start of the season who's getting along with whom blah 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 and they sort of like map out where they think the season's going and this person said it was kind of a fool's errand because it never ends up happening like that because it's like because then Luann gets arrested or then there's like one stupid thing at a party and Portia and Nini aren't friends anymore or you know, it's like you can't predict these things. And I think that really shows how real these things are. Yeah, it also shows the level of control that that the network tries to illustrate that they have, which is consistently requiring what the people who actually produce it think of as a little bit of a fool's errand where it's like, okay, here's the idea of the thing. And we all know that this is going to be changing, but we have to do it because tradition states that we do. And this is what you want. Right. And like the Erica stuff happening as cameras are rolling, nobody's thinking that anything related to Tom stuff is going to come up. Jen Shaw's, which was like, couldn't have been more of a shocker to everyone except for probably Jen who had seen other people get indicted <laughs> and knew that this was going to happen for the period of like what more than a year or whatever it was yeah so she she and maybe i don't know stewart and one or two other people oh and all, all of those people she that she mistreated who worked for her like knew what was going on and i mean i wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. if they were the ones who called the fbi themselves i mean Somebody slid into somebody's DMs and who's to say maybe there was an Instagram live that I missed at some point along the way. There's this Something amazing happened. documentary called Collective. Um, it was nominated for best documentary at the Oscars this year. It's Romanian and it's about um, it is very depressing, but very good. And it's about a uh, fire that happens at a nightclub where, you know, all these people died, but then oh, no. in the investigation of it, it sort of unearthed all of these government conspiracy. Yeah. Like corruption within the government, mm -hmm. especially within the healthcare system. And there was this one guy who was awful and two of the women who worked for him, kind of like his secretaries, um, went to the press and like ratted this guy out and he ended up getting arrested and whatever. And the reason they finally ratted him out is because he called them cunts and <gasps> they were like pissed about it. And so they like went to the press and you know, when Jen Shaw happened, my husband and I were joking. It's like, that's what happens when you treat the staff like shit and call them cunts. <laughs> They're going and ratting you out. So, you know, be nice to everybody, especially the people who you're dicking over. <laughs> 
I'm wondering if I should tell us tell a story that I've never actually told anyone before. I think you should. Do we tell think me. <laughs> So I <laughs> did background work. Oh my god, I can feel this is a bad idea, but we're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> I did background work on a very bad movie in college. I went to school for theater and they were looking for people who looked like college students. I was like, I'm a college student and I look like one too. And so we showed up. It was um it was a movie starring Sarah Jessica Parker, who was lovely and wonder an angel and couldn't have been nicer. And so we did this, you know, one one or two days, I can't remember, very long day and non-equity. So they were like, you're, you know, in the pig right. trough and like eating whatever the equity people or SAG people, whatever, uh, what they don't want. And so um we had this day of shooting and we're supposed to get however much money, probably a dollar fifty. And we, you know, fill out all our, all our paperwork and the money never comes. And so I start contacting, I think it was the casting office. Mm-hmm. Money never comes. Money never comes. It turns out that the producer of this movie wasn't paying anyone from background to the people answering the phones at casting. So I called one day to be like, hi, where's my money, please? I would like to, I don't know, buy myself some food. And the person (laughs) who answered was like, why don't you ask the producer? Here's his cell phone. Because they were so pissed that they hadn't gotten paid that they were like, I don't know who the fuck you are, but maybe you can get something done. So I I don't remember what I did with the number. I'm sure I called him. But what I do remember is calling page six and saying to them, Amazing. Hi, I am a college student, whatever. And I want to tell you a little story about a <laughs> movie that I'm working on. And I remember the name of the reporter. I gave my first name, maybe. I don't even remember. Uh, they did a story about it. Sarah Jessica Parker had to give a statement the producer was contacted, and guess who got paid? Everybody who worked on it as a result of leaking it. It's the only time I have ever leaked something to Page Six. I have been involved in like chaotic organization where there's like chaos relating to tabloids. I've never, I that was the first and only time I've ever done that or ever leaked anything of any kind. But it does sometimes do its job. So what you're telling me is that you are basically Norma Ray. It's what you're telling me. You were I like mean... on Union Now. Like, give us our money. You know what is so fucked up that I did right after? Someone else that had worked on the movie who also hadn't gotten paid, a friend of mine who I went to school with, I w- this isn't fucked up in a bad way, but I was like, oh, my God, did you see that thing in page six? I can't believe it. Someone, like, actually leaked it. I pretended that I had just read it. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. And I, she has no idea that this happened, that it was me. And I sent her a link to the fucking thing to be like, oh, my God, maybe something will happen as a result. And so it's like, listen, you know, I don't remember why I was telling this story. Oh, maybe as like a, oh, because, you know, who leaked Jensha? I can appreciate an associate or somebody who is being disgruntled, who is now doing the world and all of those survivors of Jen Shaw's financial misdeeds a little bit of a favor because of their own mistreatment or because they know that those all of those other people deserve better. I love how in the course of one story, you went from Norma Ray, like fighting for the working class to Kenya Moore planning stories on the press and then denying it. 
there was a whole section in the book about how the women deal with the press. And I talked mm. to a bunch of gossip reporters and um, people that work at some of our favorite publications um, and uh, found out that a lot of times the stories aren't coming from the women themselves, but are coming from producers. And some of those outlets pay producers and the producer, like one of the publications, which I know we have both read in, on some dark days, said that they basically have like uh producers on all the shows on retainer and they just like send them what's happening like every week and then write stories about it do they get checks in the mail uh is it they on do, their they radar get, they, they don't get checks in the mail they do they not get checks i would say they dot. do not get checks in the mail interesting i mean bcc adrian maloof versus um lvp you know like did you you got paid by radar i did not get paid do you are you asking me if i got paid by radar online i absolutely did not get paid. did i are you asking if i caught a check from radar online i mean right but maybe just because you didn't get a check producers. right doesn't, doesn't mean that you didn't leak it to the to the press but like nice. and but everyone i talked to said the queens of the press manipulation etc were bethany frankel and lisa vanderpump and th those were the two always like using the press and using it very well and getting their story out first so that people would be on their side etc 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 so um yeah well and i also heard that when Teresa was in all the legal trouble and oh, with like bankruptcy and stuff the tabloids were like paying her for because this was like like 2009 right like mm -hmm, like and mm -hmm. so like the tabloids still had money and that was still a thing and so tabloids were paying her for pictures they were paying her for stories like whatever but then she was going through all this financial stuff and was finally like oh um you can't pay me for stories anymore but if you buy my kids a trampoline then i will like do this for you <laughs> goods and services yeah holy shit yeah so that's so that was like a juicy fun thing that uh sadly got cut from the book r.i.p i mean i love the idea that bethany was one of the um people who was best at manipulating the press something that is almost rewarding for me to hear and not in any way surprising considering when you it, it makes me reconsider even her like ninja level expertise at exploiting the idea of press manipulation during season three when she was like look what jill leaked to page six and it was yep. at this accident she had her grubby little paws all over it and thinking in the back of your head now wow so bethany is saying this on camera because she knows what can happen if you weaponize the idea of le leaking to press so she is both in her head and probably irl leaking stuff to the press and also knowing how to manipulate this as story against jill well and also in uh you know bethany is great at at manipulating her image and like knows how to she had been on reality television before she knew how mm -hmm. the whole thing worked and somebody who worked on uh, the early seasons of real Housewives of new york told me that when uh kelly Simone showed up and said i'm down here i'm up here and you're down here mm -hmm. she was doing that because bethany was trying to freeze her out of everything and didn't want to film with her and didn't want anyone else to film with her so it's like bethany goes in looking like she's the aggrieved one and kelly's like i'm up here and you're down here but kelly was reacting to bethany like trying to freeze her out of the show um what yeah 
so. Oh no. So Bethany knows Poor how to play Kelly. the game. I know. It like makes you feel bad for Kelly almost. Kelly is not a great communicator. And it's so sad because then I hear this. I'm like, wow, she really, she really could have landed a punch if she had known how. Yeah. She was and too busy jogging in traffic. She needed to go to Leah's trainer. My God. <laughs> um, next time I come to New York, will you go to Martin with yes. me? Okay. Done. To where? To Martin, the boxing trainer. Oh, I was thinking of Bart. Yeah, I'll go to Martin with you. Martin's okay. no, we can, I'm sure we can make something work with Martin. I'm <laughs> sure we can make something. something work with Martin. I think he would be very available to make that happen. No, I would actually love to do that. I would love to do that. Um, but we could probably have Leah come with us. I mean, we probably could. I would be all about that. We could. I would be all about that. You can record Leah, it for the listening. pod. We'll write a Vulture I know. Article. I was like, what kind of content can I get? <laughs> But then we'll go to drinks after. But then you and I will go to drinks after in sweaty gym attire. Yeah. It won't be sweaty. I will barely move. Um, but yeah, all that stuff about the press I found um, super fascinating. And I wish that we could have included more of it in the book. Can I sidebar? Have you watched Bethany's alleged TV show? I don't know what it is, but some people do call it reality TV. I have watched all of it, but the finale. What happened there? Um, I heard from somebody who worked on the show that it was a nightmare and that Bethany was trying to control everything. Shock. Mark Burnett was trying to control everything and their filming during COVID and nobody knew exactly what they wanted it to be. And they were kind of like changing it on the fly. And I think what happened is Bethany wanted to be the star of the show but chose a format that doesn't allow her to be the star of the show. And it's like, when Amen. you think of The Apprentice, like Donald Trump was nominally the star of The Apprentice, but was barely in each episode. He was like at the beginning, introducing it and at the end to fire somebody. And Bethany wanted to be in every frame and have these people. And it's like, you can't tell your story and tell the stories of all these people at the same time. And so it just ended up being weird. And also I think that she was used to this like loosey goosey docu soap mm -hmm. format that she can kind of exploit. And like, I think that we know Bethany is funny. We know Bethany is witty, but most of that happens in the confessionals. And when she mm -hmm. doesn't have the confessionals where she can think about her sound bites, she just is like spouting aphorisms and is like literally says like opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And like, that's not witty or funny or clever or original. And, but when you're doing that on the fly thing, that's kind of what you get. And I just also think that um, her, when we first met Bethany, she was like the poor one and she was making fun mm -hmm. of Luann for being like, introduced me as Mrs. De La Seps. And I think that kind of crystallized her, her personality on the show. And now when she's like kind of sniping at these people who want to mm -hmm. work for her, it's like, why are you putting these people through this? It's like not as cool when she's like making fun of them who are these people who took time out of their lives to try to work for Bethany. You know what I mean? Of course. That's also why her return, when she initially returned to New York, it was tough, but it also at some points really worked because she wasn't punching down. She was, yeah. even when she was like saying that shit to Luann, which is tough. I mean, she was being reactive and, uh, aggressive and she was doing it to people who signed up for it and even yes. if she didn't consider them colleagues were at her level at that point at the end of the day there's 
you know, it you could be the one holding the center apple, but you all have equal footing in the sense of calling yourself a full-time cast member on this yes. show, regardless of what happens with the storyline. And with this competition show, she's making fun of these people who want to work for her at a job that has not once ever been explained aside from its title, which feels very similar right. to what Julie did on Bethany's spinoff. And who are we supposed to empathize with? Like, yes. why would a person watch the show and say, I mean, I had favorites of who I thought could win, but right. I don't want any of these people to actually win because it feels like such a fucking loss. Well, and if I'm watching that show, I'm empathizing with the people applying for the job instead yeah. of with Bethany. And so when she's making fun of them, I feel like she's making fun of me. Whereas before I empathize with Bethany because I too want to make fun of Luann. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I think, you know, like, I think it's just a, a shift in the, in the dynamic that she hasn't quite taken on entirely and that she need she can't be, I think she thinks I can show up and be Bethany, but she needs to show up and be a different kind of Bethany for this format. Yeah, I think she thinks that her version of success is staying exactly how she thought she was however yes. many years ago, and that will land exactly as it did then, but it won't. The circumstances are different. Her financial yes. state of affairs is different. She has a different kind of power, and now it feels like she's weaponizing it. Well, and it's like, yeah, she's the uh, same Bethany, it. but the context around her has changed, and mm -hmm. I don't think she's mm -hmm. accounted for that. And yeah, and I think the show was just a mess, but that said, like, the clothes are amazing. Seeing Bethany when she's like talking to the camera, I'm like, you know what? You got it. Like she is charismatic. Um, I love that woman who was like the skinny girl brand who like. Oh, yeah. I forgot her name, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she that's part of the thing. We forgot her name because we barely got to know her because all we see is <laughs> Bethany in her underwear her the whole time. It was so the show is like the worst kind of chaos where you're on an amusement park ride to nowhere and all you feel is sick like it's just it's up and down and weird and you know it's going to end at some point and you just wish that point was now but I watched every episode what can I say like I did an Instagram live that saved on my IG because I did not want to go through this alone so I literally was like here's an episode let's watch it together and I'll give you my thoughts and feels and I mean, my God, it's just a lot. It's just I, a lot. I watched all but the finale in like one sitting and kind of loved it. Oh and God. I think I'm going to really? write about the show slash the finale in my new newsletter, <gasps> the Housewives yes! Bulletin, Housewives Institute Bulletin. Um, you can sign up for on Fulcher.com slash Housewives. Comes every two weeks. And Tell us about it. I signed <laughs> up for it. I signed up. I love it. Um, it's like the best housewives news. It's recap highlights. I'm doing like original stories and features and stuff for it. We're doing reunion recaps because Vulture stopped recapping the reunions, but people love them. Mm. So I'm doing that in the newsletter. And they were just kind of like, you can do whatever you want. Like, here's a newsletter, you know, like go crazy. And so I was like, great. So it's just going to be me going crazy. And uh, yeah, it comes every two weeks on Friday. Um, so excited, guys. Uh, you can need to sign up. Sign up right away. Um, speaking of escapism and content and all of that good stuff, when you were writing the book, so much of so many of us watch Housewives as an escape, as a way to connect, as a way to empathize, everything else, and, and as a way to disconnect in many ways as yep. well. 
what were you watching in your non-writing time that allowed you to potentially disassociate from this stuff? Or did you just continue watching? Well, I was continuing to watch for, you know, professional reasons, especially Mm because I was like, I recap uh, New York, Beverly Hills, Orange County. Mm -hmm. Um, I did New Jersey this year. Um, and so my, uh, husband produces scripted television. So when mm. his day is done, he doesn't want to watch any scripted television and I write about reality television. So I kind of want to watch scripted television, but so we kind of meet in the middle and there are shows that I don't write about like Atlanta and Potomac, which I watch mm. and then love, um, during the quarantine, we watched all of below deck from like, we actually went backwards. Oh, so wow. I want to say from start to finish, but really from finish to start. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, so we watched all of that and then we've been watching um Australian Survivor um which is available on Amazon in the UK um because I love Survivor and Survivor hasn't been on and my husband loves hot guys and there are a ton (laughs) of hot guys on Australian Survivor so we've been watching that so we watch kind of like stupid things and but then he is also really into like super smart kind of like art films and foreign films and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so we watch a lot of those things but yeah, it is weird. Like when I'm watching Real Housewives of New York, like if I'm going to recap it, I'm like taking notes and I'm pausing and I'm rewinding and I'm watching parts over again and I'm going back and like, what exactly did she say? And so it's not like I could just like let it wash over me. I'm sort of actively engaging in it, which I think is a good way to view it just because it allows me to get like deeper in there. But I know it's definitely not the experience that a lot of people have. But I um, love my favorite thing me. is stupid teen shows. Oh my god, what, Riverdale, every oh, episode. Okay, Cruel Summer. Are you watching Cruel, Cruel Summer? Is literally everything. It's the palate cleanser after Handmaid's Tale, which I don't know why I'm still watching, but I am. Oh my I god, don't know why. Cruel I don't Summer, know why. amazing. Outer Banks, not a shirt in the whole show. <laughs> Loved it. Five stars. <laughs> Gossip Girl reboot, girl. Oh my God. Is that happening? Is that out? Yeah, I think in July. I just wrote a big story about it for Cosmo. Um, But I didn't get to see the first episode. So I'm like ready, willing, and able for that to come back into my life. I've seen the little, the signs about shooting around New York for Gossip Girl. Because I've seen the sign and it's like, I think if I remember correctly, that it's like the bad witch or something they've they renamed it so that people aren't walking in the street and seeing a sign that says like we're gonna shoot for this show and have it say gossip girl so they use a fake name i'm like oh that's cute for the kids for the that's next funny. gossip girl is a show i never want i never got into it i, I love it. love it people love it a gossip girl 1.0 i'm excited for gossip girl 2.0 i'm excited for every stupid teen show that is on television and it's oh like Christian has all these friends who now have kids who are in their teens and like at any gathering at their house, it's like Brian sitting in the corner talking to a bunch of girls about Riverdale (laughs) and like the adults like over there talking about, I don't know, whatever adults talk about. And I just want to, yeah. Oh my God. I love that shit. Um, speaking of loving stuff, I do want to talk to you about Beverly Hills, your favorite rich women doing things because 
Can you tell me your thoughts about the premiere? Oh my god. Oh my um, god. Kathy Hilton and the fucking dentistry is like the... everything I've ever needed in my entire life. And in my I entire was, life. I was so afraid Kathy Hilton was gonna show up and be like, I'm above it, I'm too rich, my daughter married a Rothschild, whatever. No, she showed up and gave us I like to do dental work on my friends. <laughs> like, what is it? Would you like Kathy Hilton in your mouth with a fucking like scraper? You're pretending that you have a choice in the matter. (laughs) (laughs) She's coming and she's coming with that acorn knife or whatever the fuck she was talking about. Oh my God. Yeah. So I was excited for that. I so far think I like Crystal. I like that she's Mm -hmm. kind of a hard ass and I like that Mm -hmm. she's kind of bitchy and going to hold these women to the fire. I like that after several seasons of Kyle, Lisa, Dorit, Erica, and kind of nothing being able to pierce that or tear that apart or them really getting into any like dirtiness that we have the sort of Sutton Garcelle nexus that is Mm. going to oppose that other kind of group of women. So I think that we're finally, and we have all the Erica stuff happening. We have the Scott Disick stuff happening. Like, I think we're finally going to get some juice from Beverly Hills. But I say that at the start of every season. And then 19 episodes in, they're fighting about the same thing they were fighting about episode two. <laughs> and so, you know, whatever. I will eat my words. But uh, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. It felt like such a strong premiere. It felt like such a strong premiere episode. Well, and it was just so good that so many of the shows have been filmed during COVID to see the Mm -hmm. women get dressed, get glammed up, even if it was just to go to fucking Dorit's house. Like, I was ready for some outfits. I was ready for some over-the-top craziness that Beverly Hills always brings us. And thank God for them. And I feel like they added Crystal. They Mm -hmm. added... Kathy, even though she's mm-hmm. kind of been kicking around, they've promoted mm-hmm. Sutton. So I feel like the last few shows, like Jersey, Atlanta, the cast field felt a little anemic. Even in New mm-hmm. York, where there's like five of them, like this feels like nice and big and expansive in a mm-hmm. way that I like for our post COVID housewifery. And I feel like there's just a, there is a, as you're, there's an infusion of a new kind of energy. And sometimes the hope for our franchise is like, have energy. And this right. is actually giving us something different we haven't experienced in Beverly Hills before with a lot of fireworks that we know are on the horizon. Counter that with New York. Which is just in kind of a draggy, sad space. I think this might be New York's flop era. Um, Uh, And I think, and I've been blaming a lot of this on COVID. Like, I think that mm -hmm. if it weren't for COVID, you know, we've only seen them really add people of color to the cast, which obviously they needed to do. And I'm glad that they did it, but they haven't messed with it that much. And I think that, If it hadn't been for COVID, we probably would have seen a bigger overhaul of Jersey. I think we would have seen another woman or two in New York. But I just think it's a really hard time to introduce people into this because of, you know, all the testing and, you know, you you can go on trips, but you can't really and all that. I think it's unfair to anyone new kind of coming into this. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if. New York should have been shaken up a lot more. I mean, I love Ramona, but I feel like her story has been told at this point. And the dynamic between her and Sonia and Luann, as much as I love it, it's like 
same old, same old. I think we need some new energy in there that not only, not just Leah can provide. And this whole thing with the Leah Heather of it all, which yeah. is an argument really about the show and about yes. media and press, which is used in a variety of different ways on different franchises, but is sort of being helmed by someone who isn't directly involved in it through yes. Leah's eyes is a little bit of an awkward journey yes and i get why they want would want heather back this time i think it's like adding kathy it's like people who are easy ads that like the fans already know they don't need to reintroduce a whole new character um and so i think that was a good instinct but then leah just like tanked it and yeah and i feel like leah's trying to take control of this thing it's like what is your stake in the game like why do you care about this i feel kind of the same way as with Kenya and Bolo. Mm. Like, why do you care so much about this? Like, I don't, I'm not that interested in this fight. Um, how would you feel about uh, Tinsley re-addition to New York? I instinctively love it without really thinking strategically, but I don't think we're in a position to even have a strategic conversation because there is no real strategy currently happening. Yeah. So it's like, how do I improve upon something that doesn't feel in any way cohesive or interesting or dynamic? So it's like, yeah, I would love for Tinsley to come back, although it will be a repeat of a storyline that we've seen her go through previously of like... Right. Scott's done and I'm, you know, blah, 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 flying with new wings or something, which, but I'm, I'm extremely into it. I think she's a really interesting character just based on her history. And I would be curious to see what happens next because since Scott decided to break up with her so publicly and in such yeah. a crude way, I don't think that she even let's pretend she ever thought because they've broken up and gotten back together so many times, like he took away the ability for her to ever reconsider being with him again, because yeah. he ended things in such a negative, awful way, which is a new chapter for Tinsley. Like maybe now she knows like, Oh, I don't have this guy to fall back on in the ways that I kind of thought I did before. That could be interesting. I would love to see it, but I also don't know what to do with the rest of the cast. What are you, what are you thinking about Tinsley? I mean, I would be happy for a Tinsley addition just because I think that like right now, Ebony and Leah are of a similar age and mm -hmm. Sonia, Sonia, Ramona, Luann are of a similar age. And there seems mm -hmm. to be like a disconnect between the two. And I think it would be nice to have some more of that younger energy mm -hmm. that Tinsley brings in there. But also, I, you know, Tinsley's supposedly living in Palm Beach. I would be happy with a Tinsley uh, Miami. Like since they're bringing really? back Miami, like let's put Tinsley in Miami with some Miami broads and like see how that goes, you know? Watching Tinsley try to understand Lisa Hochstein <laughs> would be something. Well, I'm curious how that many. That would be something. I'm curious how many of the Miamis would come back or, or they would invite back. Like, are they just going to do Miami and like totally recast it with like or not? I don't know. I mean, allegedly they're bringing back a couple of them. I think Lisa's one of the ones that's in probably 
with a question mark, I truly don't know, but is in the more secure right. area than some of the others. Like, and I think probably like Alexia will cameo and I don't know about Adriana and I, Leah's uh, apparently not coming back and I forget who else was there. Uh, Leah is an all time great and I'm sad that she won't be with us, but yeah. She would be someone that I would be curious. I mean, I've interviewed her for Andy's girls, like sitting in her beautiful shop in wherever it is in Miami before. Um, but I would be curious. I mean, you can't tell me this. It would be, I would be curious to hear her perspective several years out from being on housewives, what she thinks of that experience, noting that she's been on flipping out and other shows. So it's not that she's been entirely away from reality TV, but because she was such a character and I thought was a really, really great housewife. I would be curious for her thoughts on that then. I completely agree with that. I just think about that. I've just, how many, when it came to the list that you current, that you originally had your dream list, noting that the book is now out and it's phenomenal. Thank you. Um, are there any remaining dream folk that you have where you're like, Oh gosh, if I had gotten a chance to talk to that person, or do you feel like it was for the best that that didn't happen because it potentially opened up other avenues or it made you feel more industrious? Like, what do you think? I mean, I think it is, I think it ended up being like net positive for everything that I went through, because the people I talked to were willing to go on the record. The people who were off the record were then off the record and were really able to dish. Um, yeah. And, and especially for the like producers and stuff, it's like, this is, you know, we've seen them all talk on Bravo TV.com at BravoCon, like the Bravo approved story. And so I mm-hmm. feel like I got them talking when they thought Bravo wouldn't be listening or wouldn't affect their careers, which I think is good. As for people who I reached out to, who I really wish I had talked to, the answer might surprise you, but the one who I really wanted was Alex and Simon. Because like, they've moved to Australia, they live in the middle of nowhere, she's become a psychologist, Mm -hmm. he's a lawyer, like, Mm -hmm. and I feel like they consciously made that move, not just to be closer to his family, but to get underneath or out from underneath this like yoke of housewives dumb. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so I would be curious to hear from her what life is like on the other side. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. I mean, it would be wild to get a sense of where she is now considering their obsession with celebrity cloying yes. kind of interest in being on being seen in the New York Times style section. She's like, okay, well they got the back of my head, but they got the dress. And that's that's kind of the same thing. That's okay. I feel right. I still feel good about myself even though I don't, you know, well like, and even when she left wild. the show, she was doing like recaps, like spilling all the behind the mm-hmm. scenes secrets and just like and still trying to like hold on to it. And I think Simon ran a bunch of like Bravo Twitter accounts and stuff. And like I think mm-hmm. they were really in deep and then at some point they were like, we need to leave this all behind. Um, and so I kind of reached out through Simon's like l- law firm oh, wow. <laughs> website, but like never heard back. So that, yeah, cause they're like non-social media. They've like left it all behind, which I think is 
really interesting and also indicative of the fact that they wouldn't want to talk to me about their life on Housewives. <laughs> like if they don't have an Instagram account. I yeah, don't know. right. But um, I think that would have been really fascinating just to hear from them. And I think that I knew them a bit back in the day when they were on the show through like Gawker and stuff, and they really like got the game in a way mm -hmm. so that I think that they would be able to talk really intelligently about their experience on the flip mm -hmm. side of housewifery. So um, there was the whole thing. Um, I talked to Shane Keogh for the book. You um, repeatedly with the beautiful hair and the beautiful oh smile my God, and the beautiful still, face and so the gorgeous. I can't even. But you went to lunch with him apparently. Yeah, we had lunch like. together. It was oh my god, it was magical. I can still, I still know exactly where we sat. Um, <laughs> oh my god, it's at a hotel that before uh, my husband and I had an apartment in LA. Uh, he would stay at all the time for work, and there was a table <gasps> in the restaurant at the hotel. And we called it the Shane Keogh table because that's where I had oh lunch with Shane Keogh. I'm obsessed with that. Um, but he talked a lot about how, you know, all these years later, he can tell when uh, Real Housewives of Orange County Marathon is on because he starts getting like hate tweets. And that it's like mm. 15 years later, he's grown up. He's a different person. Oh he feels God. bad for how he treated his mom. He wished he could do it differently, whatever. But this thing still lives on and he still gets all this shit. And um, yeah. And so I, I find all of that stuff to be fascinating. How it's like, that's the thing that imprints on the public and that you're like stuck with and you have no control over. And I mean, housewives have to deal with that. But to be the child of a housewife, even if he was 18 when it happened, when right. it started, he truly, it Did wasn't his paid. story being told. Did he yeah. get paid? Right. And I feel the same way. Like I talked to Ray from the fight at, yes. and how he the like lost Madame all this Paulette. work and whatever. Yeah. And he didn't get paid. He's in one episode for like five min minutes and like lost all this work. When you Google him, that's all that comes up is like he was Lu Luann's cocaine dealer. Mm. And yeah. And so it's crazy that the, the effect these things can have even on people who are on it, like randomly even once for a minute. Have and you ever you been in an episode? You have, cause I've seen you. I have been in um, two New York finales. No big deal. Thank you so much for that. Um, and you've obviously, you've spoke. I don't think I've spoken. I think I probably <laughs> laughed awkwardly at Sonia or something at one point. But you've actually participated in like true, you know, behind closed doors, individual filming, writing yeah. a book when you were co-writing uh, Erica's. Yeah. So that's great. <laughs> and my parents didn't even watch those episodes my parents have never seen one episode of the Housewives. my mom tells me she's gonna watch this podcast any day i emailed <laughs> my family when roxanne gay was on the pod and was like hi um someone i really you know think you guys because they don't care about me i'm like someone that you guys might be interested in it's on the pod this week in case not nobody responded which is which is very, it's very on brand for the Galley family. It's like, okay, cool. Well, I'm patting myself on the shoulder and there we go. And off to the races. We the same exactly happened to me when uh, there was like a whole chapter was excerpted in Vulture last week. And I said to everybody, it's like, hey, if you, you know, want to get a head start of reading the book, here's this like chapter. It's really good. And like, 
no crickets no moylan's oh felt God. the need to read it respond comment How question do, what is going on with our families give us exactly well and that's why we need each other that's why we need to go to BravoCon and be mm -hmm. like oh my god and like none of my really close friends are into housewives and in the uk it's like not as big of a thing so people don't even know like what oh i do god, whatever I I and then die. like you know we go to some housewives thing and people are like oh my god brian moylan and not that i'm like so famous or whatever but when i on the rare occasions i do get recognized then people are like well, people know you for this and i'm like I'm kind of a big deal in the Housewives I universe. You are kind of a big deal. Minus <laughs> like, the kind of. You know. I consider you the Truman Capote of housewifery. I really oh, thank do. you. I'm about a foot no taller, but I'll still take it. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> but just in the sense of writing, it's like you have a magical way of crafting a universe that is separate, but also inside of the housewives, which I always really appreciate. There is one thing that I just want to um, reference because I, <laughs> to copious notes, maybe I mentioned that um, when it comes to, I think this would be of interest to Andy's girls listeners. When it comes to a reorientation about how we think of the show, there was someone, Kristen Warner, who's an associate professor at the university of Alabama talks about the idea of reorienting how we think about these women, these characters, and what their shows mean to us. And she is directly referencing uh, um, the focus and impact of how Housewives is told with storytelling, specifically with the Black Housewives yes. who appear on the shows, which is a really important perspective and one that I think also really works with the overall narrative of how we think about how we watch these shows, which yes. is a separate conversation from how we watch them. And she says, has a line that I just want to reference because um, I, again, just in case you forgot, took notes. Uh, she says, rather than it be limited to good or bad representation, it's how do these shows reflect on how we feel as a community? What did we learn from these shows? What kinds of joys and agonies do we have while we watch these shows? I think changing the questions shifts the way that these shows can continue to progress and allows for a continued spectrum of types, which I thought was such an interesting point. Yes, and I love the way she talked about it, and she explained to me that, you know, um, people like – she describes it as like a warehouse and the warehouse is full of all of these depictions of black people. And, you know, mm. most of them are bad, obviously, and like stereotypes and that some people think that by having a good representation, quote unquote, good representation, it will replace one of the bad representations or like, mm. or erase one of those, take something out of the warehouse. But what she's mm. saying is like that warehouse is fixed and and just by adding good ones, you're just adding more things like to the warehouse. And so rather than worrying whether or not it's good or quote unquote good or a bad representation, like why mm -hmm. don't, yeah, we question what this is doing for us, what this says about us, why we love it, why we may hate it, whatever, instead of worrying about whether it's good or bad. And um, yeah, I thought that was very interesting and powerful. And, you know, and I find it really interesting especially in Potomac, when they're talking about this mm -hmm. in, in the wake of the Candace Monique fight, 
like identity politics. Yeah. yeah, of like, we are black women. How do we want to be perceived on television? Like, what are we portraying? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I loved what she had to say about it. And yeah. I also think that it ties it ties in so well with that conversation and also with the idea that I think the Bravo community is grappling with, which is like, am I participating in something that sometimes doesn't feel okay? And if yes. you reshift that to what am I getting out of this experience and how are we changing the ways that we talk about these women, women, ourselves, yes. the choices that we make in life, that brings so much value that shouldn't be discounted. So if the goal of like AG and these and these episodes is to say the guilty pleasure does not exist here. There's no yes. such thing as having guilt for watching these shows. Shift that even more and say talking about these shows and our understanding of ourselves as people the value that can bring to your soul is incalculable. Absolutely. And I think the point of this chapter is I talked to a bunch of academics who study the housewives like for a mm -hmm. living and, you know, and kind of like giving people fuel to all those things that we always hear, like that, the you know, these shows are bad for you. They're making you stupid. They're racist. They're mm -hmm. not, you know, they're sexist. They're this, they're that, whatever. And I don't think that any of those things are necessarily true. Yeah. Well, you know, mm -hmm. it's as racist and sexist as anything that is produced by a racist, sexist culture. But mm -hmm. um, but also just like giving people ammunition for saying like, no, I love this thing and it's valuable to me. And here's why your stupid preconceived notion about what this thing is, is false. And I think you're right. Like we already inherit all of this, you know, somewhat gendered, you mm. know, uh, kind of loathing for liking the show to begin with that society puts mm -hmm. upon us. And then when you actually think about some of the bad things that may or may not happen because of the shows that just adds on top of it. So I think that we need to unburden ourselves from that guilt and like feeling bad about it. And if this book does anything to everybody, I hope it gets them there and, and it gets people to, and that's why I think it's important, not just to talk about the gossip and behind the scenes and whatever, but why do we watch these things? Like, what does it bring us, you know, and how does it enrich our lives? Because I think it's true that this has rich, enriched many of our lives. I mean, if only that it's connected me to people like you and, mm. you know, the like communities that we make around this has been mm. like, you know, a boon for my life. So I hope that other people can start to feel the same way. And I just think I can't st most strongly recommend this because it really, even like moments like that where I was like, oh my God, no to self, page 266. Like I just, <laughs> I, it really, it helped change my perspective, which will hopefully, you know, have an influence on conversations coming up and the ways that we talk that, you know, the kinds of conversations that haven't yet been had the ways that we look about ourselves and reflecting that back on our own experience which at the end of the day I just genuinely think leads to a lot of layered convos yes. and that can only bring benefits even if you disagree with them just a shift and a change is nearly almost always good um Brian Moylan Dame Brian Moylan Dame Sarah Galley 
Um, tell me again about my um, position at the Real Housewives Institute, which we've I believe it's like coordinator of special events. It's something like special events. There's related. like a gift shop. There's something. Vice it's president gotta be of shopping. special yes. events. <laughs> Maybe. Super into it. I'm into it. I'm I mean, it. I feel like the Institute should be run from Ramona's lower level. Like that seems like <laughs> a good place for it to be. Oh my God, that hurts. That hurts my tummy. I die for you. I love you so much. We're going to go to, let's not invite Leah, who I really do enjoy. I just think that you and I should go boxing with So Mom are we going to, to BravoCon 2021? I I don't know. People are asking me about information. I, I guys, I just want to say I I'm loved it. Can't say enough about it. Go to my Instagram for videos and stuff that I'm just putting out that I'm like finding in my camera. I hope to go. I I really do hope to. I had the time of my life. Honestly, truly Same. loved it. I hope I hope you and I are sitting together again so we can commiserate and gossip. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Awkward pause. Probably <laughs> HQ. Uh, let us know. That'd be great. Yeah. Um thanks. where can people buy this beloved book, which literally is out today. Out yes. today. Um, so you can buy it wherever great books are sold. Also, um, the housewivesbook.com. And um, if you want a signed copy of the book. <gasps> even a personalized signed copy, you can go to <gasps> Skylight Books uh, website, wow. which is in Los Angeles. I'm going there to sign a bunch of books and um, draw dick pictures in them. So oh I hope God. you enjoy all those. Aaron's dick. You um, can sign it. This one's Aaron's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. This is Joe Gorga's three sperm. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then um, you can sign up for the Housewives Institute Bulletin at vulture.com slash housewives. And you can find me on all social media at Brian J. Moylan, except my grinder is Mustache Rides, which you can um, <laughs> find me there. Oh my God. Guys, if you're enjoying this conversation, you want to give me money and why wouldn't you? Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls for exclusive bonus content, episodes, chances to participate in amazing AG Kiki's on Zoom. Oh my God, my favorite club. And so much more. Instagram at Dame Galley. Dame Brian Moylan, you know I die for you. I can't wait to see you at um, BravoCon. I might be at the coffee shop next door. Who, who's to say? But um... I'm going to be selling my books in the street out front. <laughs> Because Bravo oh will be in. Not, well, I mean, that Bravo Bazaar is I mean. Guys, stay safe and sane. Get vaccinated if you can. And we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.